welcome into the Jump Around with Blake Dudonis. Thanks so much for joining me here on this Friday, the opening day of the WNBA. I couldn't be more excited, and obviously with the WNBA starting, I'm going to have a college coach on and talk about college basketball because, you know, sometimes when people zig, I like to zag. You know, that's really all. So you can get, obviously, all of your WNBA content online and all the other podcasts, and I know LaChina just dropped another around the rim talking about the season. So if you're looking for WMB news, you're going to be disappointed here uh, this week. But joining me is the new head coach at Bowling Green State University. And how about this little tie-in? Kurt Miller, the Connecticut Sun, used to be the head coach at Bowling Green, and they were dominant. So there you go. There is a tie. I'm not crazy. But we're going to talk to Robin Freilich, the new coach there of the Falcons. We're going to talk about her, about her transition from Ashland University to Bowling Green, and if you don't know who she is, she won 104 games in three years, and she lost three games. So, I mean, she's pretty good, but excited to have her join us. So, I'm going to step off here, give her a call, and we'll bring her right on. This is The Jump Around with Blake Dudonis. Welcome back to the Jump Around with Blake Dudonis, and joining me now is the new women's basketball head coach at Bowling Green State University, Robin Freilich. Coach, thanks for joining me first off, and uh, I, I guess the first natural easy question is, how's the transition been? Well, thanks so much for having me. It's been it's been great. You know, it's there's a lot that goes into transition. I actually had one of my friends tell me there's three parts to transition. The beginning, you know, the decision, the like tough kind of middle um and then the end where you, you get more settled so I feel like I'm dead middle in the middle of that transition um and it's been great um we're still the logistical pieces we're figuring out with moving and my family um but the the professional piece and the job piece has been uh, what I love to share is I was really excited to come and it's been even better than I thought. And I think very few times in life when you're already feeling anticipatory about something, does that happen? So that's, that's been great. Wow. Well, if people don't know, you came from Ashland where you, you went 104 and three, which is, I mean, it looks like a typo, but um, you won the 2016 national championship. You lost in the national championship last year at the D2 level and broke your 73 game winning streak. I mean, what the heck? Like, that's my question. What the heck? What the heck? Uh, you know, I was really fortunate. I got my first head coaching opportunity at a place I had been for seven years as an assistant. So I'd really, um, you know, I was just really familiar and I poured myself into that program. And we had great kids that were great players. And that's a, that's a winning combination. So that was the biggest part of it. And I just felt grateful to be part of it. I mean, it was a bummer to lose in the national championship game because the team had done everything right, you know, just the way they took care of each other and treated each other and worked. Uh, but it was special, and I'm really grateful for that in my life. You, it's interesting because, obviously, you, you, you win 104 games, you win a national championship the year before, and, and all those things are great. And, I, you know, reading your quotes after the game, uh, I was impressed because you mentioned, like, hey, one game doesn't define us, you know, we've – We've done so much more that defines who we are than uh-huh. just one game. But is there a little bit of a, ah, man, that just that one more game? Like, do, do you have that feeling kind of left in your mouth that you're like, man, I, re- I really wish we could have gotten that? 
Well, yeah, you know, everyone wants to win the national championship the year before didn't make my life better and losing it didn't make my life worse so that it wasn't defining and and what that group was able to do night in and night out for so long and the consistency and the toughness that is what I'll always remember uh, regardless of the final outcome but yeah it's it really isn't defining Um, and a part of that's a big relief because in coaching sometimes you believe that that moment or that that's the pinnacle and for me, it wasn't, you know, the being with those kids and seeing the way they took care of each other and treated each other and worked was the good stuff. So going in that game, we felt that way. And I was really proud of my girls after the game for the way they handled themselves and what they shared in the press conference and, and who they were as people because, um, you know, that, that was a little more defining to me in defeat because they hadn't experienced that much. And um, I was proud of the way they handled themselves. Yeah. So your team averaged 100 points a game at Ashland, so obviously a, a very high-paced offense. When you look at your situation now at Bowling Green, how do you get to know your your current players now in Bowling Green, and how do you get them to buy into a system? Well, that's, you know, I haven't had much time here, and I haven't had much time with them because I got a few weeks before they – it off um, before they come back for the, the summer two piece. But um, the beginning is investing in them. I mean, I, I have to create relationships and meaningful relationships and, and trust, and we've got to build into our culture and our work. And that's foundational for any way that we play. So um, that's the biggest focus is creating genuine connections and relationships with them and the new staff and the new staff with them. Um, the system. You know, the basketball piece, we'll figure that out. Uh, but the trust piece and the belief piece, you know, we're working on that every day right now. Sure. What uh, what led you to um, putting the type of system that your your team at Ashland did play, where you guys are scoring at such a high rate? What, uh, what kind of led you to say, yeah, this is how I want my teams to play? Well, that's, that's a great question because my first year as a head coach, we went 31-2 and had a great year. Um, we lost in the second round of the NCAA tournament. And I remember after that season, reflecting on a number of things. And one of the things was I just felt like every game we went into, we were attacked. You know, people were really up for the game. It was a big game. And I felt like we spent the first quarter just on our heels. And then we would get, you know, our momentum. And I was I was tired of that. I was tired of feeling like we were getting attacked. And I wanted that mindset and sh- that to shift. And so playing more aggressive immediately puts you in that mode. Um, the other piece was with some of our incoming freshmen at that time, you know, we thought they could be really good players. Um, we thought we were going to have really good depth. And I, I believe depth is only an advantage if it's utilized, or else I think it's a huge challenge to have a lot of players on the team that are capable of being really productive. So we wanted to use our depth as an advantage. So those are some of the critical factors in us deciding to say, hey, we're going to play aggressive. We're going to try to find a way to really maximize our depth and, and create a, a morale around that. And, um, you know, I didn't necessarily think we'd press for the whole game or how it would happen. And as, as we built it and as we watched it, we thought this is really putting them in a position to be successful. And they liked it. And we thought it maximized some of our, our big strengths. Yeah, great. 
Well, this is coming from someone who played at Davidson and finished top 10 in steals, so maybe a little bit of your former player coming through there, too. Yeah, it's funny because our associate head coach last year, who's now the head coach at Ashland Carey, um, is a rebounding like legend. She led the nation in rebounding. And, um, you know, I was pretty big into trying to get steals and assists. And at Ashland, we had a lot of assists and a lot of steals, and she would get on me about, we need to rebound better. <laughs> and it's funny because, you know, you kind of align with, with things that you are comfortable with. Yeah, sure. But now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to slightly push back on you here, but your team shoots a lot of threes, and you only made 32 threes over your career at Davidson. So a little bit against the grain there. Oh, yeah. I think I realized that that's important to actually being good, right, and to be able to make some threes. So we're pretty – we focus a lot on everyone really developing shooters. We focus a lot on that and trying to make sure everyone is capable of shooting so that we can create the spacing we want to be effective. Sure. Yeah, that that's also from my experience of knowing that would that helps make you much better. <laughs> Maybe part of the reason you uh, you finished so high in career assist, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, with you going from D2 to D1, now you, you've been on staffs at Toledo, Western Michigan, App State, so you've been to the Division One level. But for you as a head coach, what is, or maybe you've faced it already, or what do you perceive to be the biggest challenge moving from D2 to D1? You know, when I've asked around about it, the thing that I typically hear the most is just your managing more staff. I've heard that's one of the hmm. biggest differences is there's more people. So there's more people to manage and delegate and make sure that we're all on the same page. So I'm very mindful of that. And then, you know, every level you move up, I think recruiting is really competitive at every level, but I think it gets even more competitive um, of getting the, the right kids and the right players. So those would be two things that I think initially I'm alert to and I'll probably have an even better answer after the end of the year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll yeah we'll bring you back on and revisit after year one. But yeah. <laughs> speaking of though, Bowling Green is a program with a ton of tradition. Um, when Kurt Miller was there, you know, led them to the Sweet Sixteen. They've um, in recent years though, it's dropped off. Uh, they haven't been as good uh, the past few years. The attendance has dropped off, and again, that's a community that really rallies around their team and. What's it going to take for you, do you think, uh, to regain the trust of the community and bring them back in? Because when that place is rocking, the Stroh Center is one of the most intimidating environments at the mid-major level. So what do you need to do to kind of re, uh, you know, build that bridge? Well, there's an enthusiastic popu uh, population here for women's basketball, which was a really appealing part of the, the job. Is They really care about women's basketball, and there's been an incredible tradition I mean, you look up 10 straight years of postseason play, yep. that's unheard of. Um, so those, you know, there's already a fan base that's very passionate. I think we've got to do a good job of connecting with them, being engaged, them getting to know us, know the girls. You know, and then we've got to work hard and we've got to put a team out there that, that can find ways to have success and that will play hard and play together. You know, at Ashland, we had great fan support and Winnie was absolutely part of it. Uh, but the other part was they really felt like they knew the girls, and they they played really well together. You know, it was a team that was fun to watch because they were a team. And that's my hope to be able to do it at Bowling Green, too, is to see a genuine team because we all love to watch basketball when it's played the right way. Sure. Yeah. Well, another question I, I wondered, you go from competing for national championships at Ashland, and now you come to Bowling Green – and. 
feel free to push me off if you disagree, but you go from competing for national championships to now you're at the mid-major level where that's probably not a realistic expectation. Just for me, outside looking in, for you to compete for national Mm -hmm. championships, does that change your mentality of how you approach what you do at all? No, I mean, we're still, wherever you are, you're competing for championships. Um, I mean, we're still, our mindset will be to compete for championships, for the league championship, for league tournaments, for the NCAA tournament. No, I think cutting down the nets and, and talking about championships is has the same purpose. Sure. Um, you know, at Division Two, that was obviously something we really believed in and bought into was the chance to play for a national championship. Um, but the championships we can win here will also be very meaningful. Yeah, fair enough. And you picked a tough time to come into the MAC. I mean, you got Central Michigan, oh, Buffalo, right? <laughs> like you're going, oh, come on, seriously? Wow. <laughs> got to be a little bit of oh, the, pride there, right? The league is amazing. There's great coaches. There's great players. Two Sweet Sixteen teams out of a mid-major is just phenomenal. Um, it's a great challenge, and I'm excited for that challenge because, you know, and professionally, you want to go against great coaches and great teams and continue to develop and grow and, um, you know, figure out how we can how we can do that here. Sure. So how do you, for people that don't know you, I mean, I, I, I kind of mentioned all your stops, obviously where you are now, you played at Davidson, but how, how did you get to where you are? And that's a pretty open-ended question. I'll let you kind of take that whichever way you want to. Yeah, so um, really kind of random. I've always, I love basketball. I love the game. I love what the game can do for people. Um, I love watching it ever since I was very little. And it's interesting because in my immediate family, um, no one else really played basketball. Uh, A lot of people were swimmers. My brother played baseball and golf. So it was very much my own which I'm, I'm grateful for now because I've realized it's always been my own. It's, it's what I've loved. It wasn't because anyone made me love it. Um, and I just grew up playing it since I was little. Youth ball, AAU, had an opportunity to play at Davidson College, which was a great opportunity academically. That school is incredibly challenging. So I always love to say, like, you earned that degree there. Yeah. Um, and then afterwards, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. And I did some. I did a marketing internship, but I just I missed the game so much. Uh, it just became very clear in its absence of what I really wanted to do. While I had done other things that I enjoyed, nothing quite fit that same pulse of what basketball does. So I was fortunate to get an opportunity to coach right after graduating. And you know, in the coaching world, the journey has just continued. Um, and you don't always know where you're going to end up, right? I mean, you yeah. know that right now better than anyone. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I've just always loved the game. Not only just the purity of the game itself of basketball, but just what the game can do and the sort of community that it can be, that you can be part of because of it. Yeah. Speaking of places you never thought you would end up being, um, due to the quick move and everything to Bowling Green, you are currently living – uh, in a house with the rest of your staff. How's that? Yeah. <laughs> I, did, I did my homework, Coach. Uh, you know, it's been fun. It's kind of hilarious because, um, you know, I have a four-year-old and a one-year-old, so this is way different than my normal life. 
Um, but in some ways, I know we'll look back one day and, and laugh about it. It's given us really good time together. It's also given us a lot of time outside of the office to laugh and, and spend, you know, hang out and also talk about what we want to do and what we're going to be about and toss ideas around each other, which when my life gets normal, you know, I won't have that, that sort of organic time with them. So they're awesome. I'm really grateful they're here and they're people I want to spend time with. So it's, but that part's been fun. Um, but yeah, it's that middle of transition where we're all kind of, you know, getting our footing here. Uh, but they're, they're great. So we've laughed a lot. <laughs> yeah, for sure. What is it? And you, you mentioned it earlier when you're talking about people saying, Hey, you've got to manage more people. What's it been like? Because if people don't know, the Vision 2, for the most part, most schools have one full-time assistant and then maybe a, a GA or a part-timer. Now you've got uh-huh. three full-time assistants. You're going to have a Dobo. You've got all this stuff. What's it been like having that many people around? You know, so far it's been great. Our Dobo has been here 12 years, so she's been my wingman and kind of this transition and helped me navigate where to go and what to do and how to use the copier and who to, who to get in touch with. And then with the two assistants and and they just recently got in that that's been I feel like we can really get moving now on, on recruiting and what we're going to do this summer and systems and basketball so I, it's hard for me to give a great answer about that yet because I feel like we're still figuring each other out and getting on the same page and delegating responsibilities mm-hmm. uh, but there's a part of me that's really excited about that because I also feel like I'll have freedom to do more like we can we can be a little more creative in ways to engage with the community or there'll just be a little more room since there's more of us to help to, to do more things. Yeah. Okay. Well, fair enough. Well, I will ask you one more question and and let you get running. I know you're, your house shopping currently, but, uh, and this is, uh, I'm going to ask you to be a little introspective here at the end of the day, uh, whenever you're, done coaching many, many years down the road. What is it that you are striving to do as you coach that whenever you leave, whenever you're done, what is the legacy that you are trying to leave behind? Transformation. It's absolutely my biggest motivator in coaching. Uh, Seeing players transform on the court, seeing them transform off the court, seeing them transform as teammates, as leaders, um, holistically in their lives, that is that is the heart of all the good stuff. Um, and when you when you see a player come through your program and leave a better person, leave a better teammate, leave a better player, that as for me as a coach, that is the sweet spot. Well, that's great stuff. Well, certainly wish you the best of luck as you undergo this new challenge, and we'll certainly be pulling for you. I think the Mac and I think women's basketball is better when Bowling Green's uh, at the top of it. And I know a lot of people uh, expect you to get it there. So best of luck, coach. And thanks so much for spending some time with us today. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. A little frequency issue there at the end. That's going to be blamed on my producer, who is me. Anyway, Robin Freilich, new head coach at Bowling Green. We certainly appreciate her taking time out of her schedule to spend some time with us here, uh, again, if you if you don't know the history of Bowling Green, I'd encourage you to look it up. Kurt Miller had them in the Sweet 16. They beat Tennessee. They were a team that had troubles getting BCS-level schools to schedule because they were as good, if not better, than them. So a team with a ton of history that I know their fans are itching uh, 
to get it back again. And again, 104 wins and three losses uh, is certifiably crazy. So Robin is a heck of a coach, and I think she'll do good things there and uh, continue to help establish the MAC as one of, if not the best, mid-major conferences in the country. So we appreciate her spending some time with us. I appreciate you, as always, spending some time with us. If you haven't, please review us and subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, or wherever you listen to us as we continue to get to know people and figures in our game. We'll be back next week with interviews, as always. And thanks for joining me. This is The Jump Around with Blake Dudonis. Oh, and go support the WNBA. League pass, 17 bucks, whole season. Game starts tonight.